Likutei Sichos, Chelikut Ches, Volume 18, the third Sicha for Parshas Korach. Just as an introduction, in this Sicha, we'll become familiar with and better understand what is the idea of punishment, and specifically the punishment of Korach and his congregation. They were punished with two, vary, two varying punishments, namely, some were burnt, and some got swallowed in the ground. And what is the idea of it? Another thing we'll come to learn is to appreciate what really is the meaning of shalom, peace. What does it really mean when you say there's peace and harmony? Is it just not to fight, so to speak, uh, basic harmony? Or is it perhaps even greater than that, which the Rebbe will explain in the Sicha, the idea of complementing each other and having actually a, so to speak, help from one another, that there is a contribution from one thing to another, that is the ultimate peace. And of course, the opposite of which was caused by Korach and his whole dispute against Moshe. So let's get into the Sicha. In the dispute of Korach and his congregation against Moshe and Aaron, we find that they had two punishments. Some were punished, those are the 250 men who offered the incense on the instruction of Moshe, that wanted to experience what it is to be a Kohen Gadol, a high priest, they were burnt. It says they all got their souls got burnt. Whereas the others, Korach and Datan and Aviram, those two wicked men and their families and all that belonged to them, they got swallowed into the ground. Now we know that all the punishments that come from above, that come from Hashem, are not just you know tit for tat, but rather they are a direct result almost a, a direct consequence, a derivative of the sin itself. And of course, the question is, we need to understand what is the connection between these two punishments of fire and getting swallowed into the ground to the dispute, the discord of Korach and his congregation. Now, perhaps when it comes to, you know, this being swallowed into the ground, we can maybe understand it because this is, uh, so to speak, an, the opposite result of what they tried to do what they said at least they argued to moshe why are you lifting yourself up why are you elevating yourself why are you making yourself higher than hashem's people and what was the result the opposite where they went low perhaps one can suggest that but this maybe helps for that but not does not explain really what is the idea of them being burnt in fact if you think about it it doesn't even make sense that they should be punished for the burning aspect. Why did they burn the incense? Moshe told them to do so. In other words, that in itself wasn't wrong. Moreover, we find that Hashem instructs them to take Moshe to take those 250 pans and use it as a coating for the altar, meaning that it is holy. There is a positive aspect to it. So it's clear that the burning in itself is not negative. So why would they have been burnt? So obviously this leads us that we have to say that there's some aspect of this dispute which has the idea of burning in it or is corrected by them having been burnt. What is it exactly? And another thing we need to understand, it turns out the Medrash tells us that Korach himself, the one who instigated, who initiated this whole thing, he himself was punished with a dual punishment. He got both. He was both burnt, meaning his soul was burnt, and his body was swallowed into the ground together with all the others that were swallowed in the ground. 
And what the Medrash explains why. Because if he would have only been punished with one, then those who were punished with the other uh, punishment, let's say, for example, if he would have been just burnt, those who were swallowed in, Dustin and Avriam would have said, hey, it's not fear. He was part with us. Why did he just get burnt? And if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. What difference does it make what exact punishment he got? He's dead. He got punished. He got what he got. He got, you know, he got his. He got what he deserved. He's no longer alive. What difference would it make? Where's the room for an argument? And obviously, this leads us to the conclusion that there's something deeper here. It's not just about them being becoming killed, so to speak. And that's not about them losing their lives. But rather, there's an inherent quality and, and a purpose, that is, in exactly how the punishment was handed down. In other words, what it is that the punishment was. Was it the burning? Was it the getting swallowed in the ground, and therefore Korah had to receive both. In order to better appreciate this, in other words, to really understand, let's go to the root of the matter. Let's understand what really was the point of contention. What was the point of the dispute of Korah? What was the core of it? The answer is, he, and he said it very clearly, and it appears in the verses, he wanted that there should be absolute unity absolute harmony that comes through unity that everybody is equal and as he said quote all of the nation all of the people are holy and god is amongst everyone so why should you be greater than them in other words he wanted true 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 unity however this desire of his for this type of unity that he wanted is actually what led to the worst dispute and the, the worst machloket how how is that possible in other words what is wrong with what he wanted? Why is it so fundamentally bad? And the answer lies in the words that Moshe said to him. Moshe responds to him and he says, quote, in the morning and Hashem will make known the one that he chooses. Why did he use the word morning? Well, the Medrash tells us, and Rashi even brings it, that he was saying to him, listen, look around, just like you see that, that there are divisions in nature. There are divisions in the world that Hashem made, even though, there's one God and it's a unified world because it was made by one God, but still Hashem made the world in such a way, in such a manner that there are differences, there are separations, there are divisions, just like there's day and night, you can't mix the two. This is day, this is night, and together it makes a whole day. And likewise, all the other things in creation, So, just like you cannot change that, so too you cannot make this artificial unity that you want to produce here. And let's understand this for a moment. Take, for example, the Mishnah tells us in Pirkei Avos that, quote, with 10 utterances, Hashem created the world, but really could have done it with one. What does that tell us? Hashem could have done it with one, then the whole world would have been unified. There wouldn't be any division. There wouldn't be any separation. There wouldn't be any difference in level. That's precisely the point. Hashem did not desire that. Hashem intentionally created the world in, with 10 utterances and each utterance contains in itself so many different aspects, to, you know, things that derive from it as the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya. And thus, Hashem made the world. He designed the world in a way that there should be differences. There should be different levels. There should be different aspects to creation. Each creature is another thing. Every creation is, is, is different than the other. And specifically because of that, you have an entire universe that operates, functions, works together in harmony. And likewise, Hashem did it, the same thing, when it comes to the holy realm. Not only in the physical realm, but also in the realm of, of holiness, of spirituality. 
And there's a book called the Sefer Yitzira, which literally means the book of creation, which describes creation and so on. It says that everything in the world that Hashem made, both in the physical and here the Rebbe will apply it in the spiritual, can basically be divided in three things. Olam, Shana, Nefesh, which literally translates Olam is world, meaning physical space. Shana means year, means time. And Nefesh means the soul, means the the energy, the life of things. In our case, in, in the way the Rebbe describes it and explains it, how there are divisions in spirit, the spiritual realm and how it's designed by Hashem and it makes sense. Let's take, for example, Olam, space. The Mishnah enumerates, is a Mishnah that tells us, quote, that there are 10 different levels of Kedusha. There are 10 different levels of holiness and it describes each level higher and higher, starting from the very general world where Hashem exists, going to, for example, the land of Israel in general, then in particular in Jerusalem, and in particular in the Temple Mount, and in particular in the Beit HaMikdash, all the way to the Holy of Holies. In other words, what it's telling us, even though they're all holy, and they're all good, but Hashem made it, and there's nothing wrong about it, it's actually a good thing, as we'll soon see, that there is, there are different levels, one higher than the other. That's in space, in spiritual space, but in space in the world, how this spirituality connects with it. Now let's go in time. We know, we look at the calendar, look at a regular typical week. You have seven days in the week, but six days are mundane. One day is Shabbos. Let's look at the calendar in general. Let's go by the months. You have some days of the year that are designated as festivals. There are holy days. And then within them, there are some that are more holy than others. You can't compare Hanukkah and Purim to Pesach and Sukkot. Or Pesach and Sukkot to Rosh Hashanah and then to Yom Kippur, which is only once a year, which is that most unique, day, holiest day in the year. So you see that in time, in, in, in Shana, you also have varying levels. Now let's go to Nefesh, to the souls, to the Jews themselves. You have, as Hashem separated and divided us into three groups, Kohanim, Levim, and Yisrael, right? And within Kohanim themselves, you have the Kohen Gadol. You cannot compare the holiness of the high priest to the regular priest and so on. So just like in the physical world, Hashem made them different, each thing different for one another. And he wanted and he decreed, quote, that they not deviate from their task. Each thing has its own task. And that is the true peace and harmony. Just likewise in the spiritual realm. Realm. Hashem wanted at each level, each division remains in its place, and because it's there, it helps. Not only doesn't disturb the other, but it's actually able to, to to live in harmony, so to speak, to exist in harmony with the others. Now the Rebbe is going to take it a step further, because if you think about it, all we described up to this point is that you know it's something that this this is basically like an elementary type of peace, if I may. If you think about it, it's merely that they basically don't disturb one another. But it's not the ultimate idea of peace. Now that Rebbe will explain and take it to another level. The ultimate idea of peace and harmony in the world, both in the physical world and in the spiritual world, is not when they, just, they don't just bother each other, they don't disturb one another. But rather when they complement each other, they contribute to one another. And let's take a few examples. We know, first of all, the Alter Rebbe gives that uh, mushal, he gives a metaphor of the body to explain the unity of Jews, even though there are so many differences, and we'll apply it here too. You think about the body, physically, there's so many different parts to the body, and you cannot, you cannot transform one to be the other. You cannot turn the foot 
into a brain. You cannot turn the brain into a foot. But because they're different, and each one has its own capacity, and each one has its own contribution, when they operate in harmony, when the body functions properly, then they all complement each other, and they help each other, and each one gives to the other what the other one needs and wouldn't have otherwise. Think about it now from a spiritual perspective. Let's take three examples of Olam Shana Nefesh, space, time, and soul, so to speak, and we'll see how our uh, contribution of even a lower level of something coming from a lower division actually contributes and makes enha- enhances, so to speak, that which is higher than itself. Let's take, for example, the Mishkan, the Tabernacle, and the Beis Amikdash. Although that is beyond our capacity of reach, in fact, it's what gives us Hashem Shechina, Hashem's presence, but yet, who contributed to it? Who made it happen? How did it come about? By our contributions. A, by the, by the, by the monetary uh, contributions, and then later by building it, we had to physically build it. So you see, whereas the holiness there is beyond our reach, it's what gives us holiness, but yet yeah, we were able to give it. Let's take another thing. Let's take time. We know that the festivals actually are governed by our decree. The way we set the calendar. That's the power Hashem gave us. But Shabbos is called Shabbos Kodesh. Kodesh means holy. It's beyond. It's beyond our uh, distinction, our decision, so to speak, of establishing it. It's already pre-established. Shabbos is Shabbos. It's holy. Whether we contribute to it or not. But however, the, the Gemara says, the Talmud tells us, that Hashem says, Misha Torah Erev Shabbos, ones who makes an, a pain, an effort, to contribute to Shabbos, to get ready himself for Shabbos, quote, Yochal Shabbos can, quote, eat on Shabbos, meaning their Shabbos is enhanced. So you see that although a Shabbos is beyond our reach, we don't get to decide Shabbos, we don't get to determine Shabbos, but yet our contribution does enhance, so to speak, the Shabbos itself. And now let's take the Kohen in Nefesh. What do we find? That the Kohen is not up to our designation. It's not up to our decision. The Kohen is born a Kohen. He's given his holiness by Hashem himself. But yet, what does the Torah instruct us to do? In Parshas Emor, the Torah tells us, Vikidashto, and you should make him holy. In other words, you should give him the honor. You should give him respect. You should do things to enhance his holiness. So you see in that sense that even though we're lower and we don't have any ability, abil, ab, the ability to control his priesthood, his being a Kayan, yet we can contribute to it. This is the ultimate shalom. This is the ultimate type of peace, of unity. When one contributes to the other, and this is all, I'm sorry, this is, this is uh, applicable both in the material and in the spiritual. Everything that is in this world, after it manifests itself, from the point that Hashem created the world. In other words, Hashem created a world that both in the material and in the spiritual, which inherently is infinite, but still there should be divisions, there should be finite posts, so to speak, finite lines of this is this, that is that, and then together, by working together, they could contribute to one another, create that harmony, but at the same time, they have to maintain their own identity. They don't have, they, they're not only, they don't have to, but they're not allowed to lose their own, the integrity of who they are, of the identity of what they are. However, in the source of Kedusha, all the way up there, 
in the Shoresh HaKedusha, in the source of it all, in the source of spirituality, over there the unity is not a unity that is many, so to speak, many pieces coming together as we just described, but rather it's called Achtu Sapshuta. It's a pure oneness. It's one is not a unity of many parts, but a, an actual inherent oneness. And this was the mistake of Korach. This is where Korach erred. Korach was a very, very smart man. Korach knew a lot. And he was able to see, he was able to appreciate this which you just said. That the Shoresh HaKedusha in the source of holiness, everything is one. There is a pure oneness. In other words, it's even beyond this harmony, this unity that we describe. We have many parts. Each one has its own individual identity, but they, they contribute to one another. They help one another. They work in harmony. He saw something beyond that, and that's what he desired. He saw that it's just a pureness of one. No, no difference between anyone. Everybody can go as high as they want, everybody, and everybody from being as low as they want to as high as they want. And that's why he said, let's all be Khan and Gedolim. Or Moshe, why are you the leader? Why are you any different than anyone? This was his mistake. This was his quote, his foolishness. He didn't realize that what he saw, in, indeed it was ideal. And it is ideal. And it is the ultimate. But right now, the way Hashem designed the world, the way Hashem made the world, this is not possible. Not only is it not possible, it's not plausible. And it's not what Hashem wants. It's not what Hashem wants. And Hashem does not want it, and therefore it cannot happen. The only time it could possibly happen, and it will happen, is in the ultimate times, after Mashiach comes, when the world will be in its perfect place, then there will be pure harmony, then there will be pure oneness, as what Korach desired, as what he saw. Now we can understand the idea What's, what is the idea behind these two types of punishments? Burning. What happens when something is burnt? When something burns, the very coarse matter stays down. Okay, stays there, which is basically what it results in the ashes. But the more refined aspect of it, so to speak, the higher aspect, the spiritual aspect of it, it goes up. It evaporates, so to speak, into the air. It goes up back somewhere up there in the smoke that rises up. And this is a symbol, this is a symbol of those 250 men who were very high up there. They were very fine individuals. And they, they desired something which was so high, which is so lofty, to be kind and gedolim, to experience what it is to offer the incense to Hashem. They wanted to bring up things from where they are. They said, let's all rise higher and go up to be kind and gedolim. So what was their, the result of their actions? Fire, which lifts them up. It wasn't just to get back at them. It was even, in a certain sense, not in a positive one, but in a certain sense, it was a result of their desire. This, they, they almost got what they wanted, but not in the way that they hoped for. Not the way they thought it's going to result. Now, as far as being swallowed in, what gets swallowed in? The heavy stuff, gravity pulls down. It goes down. So that is the coarse things. Who got punished with being swallowed? Dasan and Aviram. Dasan and Aviram, who the Torah itself describes as, quote, these wicked men, they were lowly, coarse, wicked people. And what was their argument? They didn't care about going higher. They wanted to pull Moshe down. They said, why are you, why are you on top of everyone? You come down. You're like everybody else. You come down to our level, so to speak. They got pulled into the ground. Now we can appreciate why Korah had to have both punishments. Because it wasn't just about killing him. It was about him he was the one who initiated both of these um, arguments. In other words, the, both aspects, 
both extremes of this total argument against Moshe and Aaron. He was the one who spearheaded it. He was the one who initiated it. So he couldn't just experience one and not the other. He had to experience both. And had he just gotten one, then it wouldn't have been a, a, a true, quote, punishment or true correction of what he did. And therefore, he had to get both. He had to, he had to be both burnt, in that sense that his soul got burnt. It went up. Because he also had a desire, he said he wanted to be like Aaron, but at the same time when he said to Moshe, you have to come down while you're greater than everyone, he also, his body got uh, swallowed into the ground, it went down, because he wanted to bring down. What is the lesson from all of this for us? The Rebbe says, especially in our times, we find many that have a great desire, a true interest in bringing peace and harmony amongst Jews and bringing people together and closer. However, the argument is you don't have to be so <clears throat> so uh, scrupulous, so 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 um, caring. Uh, what's the word? So so um, so makbid, so careful about all the various you know uh, boundaries, all the various separations. It's okay. You can bring different things together. We can mix people together just for the sake of peace or for the better good, so to speak, to bring Jews closer in and make them be more excited about Yiddishkeit and so on. For example, the common one, you know, the, the separation between men and women in certain instances, whether it's prayer or certain formal settings, you know, it's, 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 it, it, you take down the mechitza. If you take down the mechitza, then you can bring people more together and there's a greater unity and that can bring to better good. Or, like you have many who try to bring down that division between Am Yisrael, between the integrity of what it is to be a Jew, and a non-Jew. Try to make things lax when it comes to conversions, or maybe no conversions at all, and things like that, just for the idea, the sake of bringing a greater sense of, a better feeling, so to speak, a sense of greater harmony, bringing people together. And the Rebbe says, that doesn't work. You see it from here, it doesn't work. And the best example for it is when you have fire and water. Fire is a good thing for what it does. Water is a good thing for what it does. If you want to mix the two, you can't just mix the two. You can't just throw them into one another because one is going to consume the other. The only way that they can work in harmony, the only way that they can actually complement each other to contribute to each other in a positive way is only if you put a separation in the middle. Think about putting water into a kettle, water into a pot, and then putting a fire under it. Then you can have hot water. And the water doesn't extinguish the fire. And, and, and the fire is not consuming the water. It's cooking it. It's providing for something positive. But otherwise, one is going to kill the other. 